Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1516. As you think, so you become. You move in the direction of your most dominant thought. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest, Richard Farler, who's coming in from my old hometown, La Jolla, California. Richard Farler is the general sales manager at Ogara Group, an award-winning factory-authorized dealer for Bentley, Bugatti, Lamborghini, McLaren, and Rolls-Royce Motorcars, serving Southern California and San Diego and La Jolla. Originally from the UK, and he's lived in the USA for about 30 years. He's pretty acclimated by now. He was a professional soccer player and served in the British Army as part of the Royal Military Police, so I will behave today. He started a car business in Germany and has been in the automotive industry close to 41 years. He has been a GM for dealers operating a consulting business, identifying best practices for dealers, and loves riding motorcycles and travel when he's not volunteering and attending charity events or spending time with any of his six grandchildren. Very cool. We'll be back in a minute to talk with Richard, but first, a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars Yeah possible. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars yeah subscriber? If you're not, go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler-up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey, Richard, uh, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm buckled up and ready to rock and roll. Let's do it. We'll have some fun. You know, those really funny listeners uh, in our pre-show chat. Turns out uh, I grew up in La Jolla, California. Richard and I live in Gig Harbor, been here 26 years. Richard moved to Gig Harbor back when I moved here. Was here for, was it six or seven years, Richard? So it was actually almost seven years to the, almost to the month, seven years, yeah. Wow. Okay, very cool. And of course, he's gone back to the sunshine, so I'm a little bit jealous on days like today in the Pacific Northwest where it can be a little bit cloudy. Uh, La Jolla is one of those just gems on the planet, such a beautiful place. And you add the ocean and the beauty of La Jolla with cars, 
and you are in the right place. Before we start with all the questions, though, would you tell our listeners maybe one little thing most people don't know about you? Oh, gosh, one little thing they don't know about me. Well, I would probably say that I, I worked on Checkpoint Charlie in my uh, formative years as a young man Whoa. during the height of the Cold War. No way. Well, that must have yeah. been a very unique, surreal experience. Very real at the time. <laughs> One of those things where when you're looking across at 100 feet from a, a KGB agents and Russians, it was very, very uh, thought-provoking as a young man. Well, it's fascinating. So you have to tell us, Richard, what's one very bizarre incident that happened to you at Checkpoint Charlie? The funny thing is, as, as glamorous as that all sounds, it was really never anything very, very bizarre. I'd say the only thing that was probably odd is that uh, on the because each it, they're very short detachments there, but you would see cars oftentimes on the east side of Berlin come up to the barriers and they would drive up and come to a dead stop. It's almost like they were sizing themselves up to cut the vehicle down to just dart all the way through. But uh, you'd see that from time to time and wonder if that car was just going to blow through the, ba the yeah, barriers. Yeah, trying to escape, escape to freedom. Well, that's fascinating. Very, very cool. Well, listen, as we continue on this journey we call your life, I'm going to ask you for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's been oh, that's, part that's of That's an easy, your... easy one for me because my mentor was actually from the Pacific Northwest. He was a chap by the name of Lou Tice, Lou and Diane Tice from the Pacific Institute over on West Seattle. And uh, one of the very things that uh, always stuck in my mind was, as you think, so you become. You move in the direction of your most dominant thought. Yeah. You know, I had Gar Stein on the show. He's the author of the Art of Racing in the Rain, which became a movie, of course. And he has a quote very similar, and that which we manifest becomes us. Uh, same kind of concept, right? Yeah. You know, I've, it, it, I've kind of uh, lived with that from, oh, gosh, for the last 25 years or so. And it really is, as a man thinks, or a woman, so he or she becomes. I've always maintained that if I want to achieve a result, I just think about that result, and I essentially move toward the very essence of what I think about. Well, you know, it's really true. I remember when I was a young man, I really wanted a Porsche. And I got out of college, and I wanted a Porsche 911 so bad. So my dad suggested I get this really cool poster of a red 911 coupe and hang it right above my desk. So yep. every day I looked at that car and imagined, you know what? One day I ended up with that car uh, parked in front of the – it was just, yeah, what you think is what you do. And, and people don't really realize that, do they, that – you know, when they think negative thoughts all the time, they get negative and they have a bad uh, honestly, life. Honestly, that is probably about as true a truism as it could be. I mean, anytime you think, it, all negativity is, is worry, doubt, anxiety, and fear, right? They're all things that move you away from something. And you just get more of what you think about. And I think that in the world that I'm in, with, with the beautiful cars that we sell and this incredibly beautiful location, which is two blocks. I mean, I can see the ocean. I can see people surfing from my upper office. It is, it's, it, it's, it's all about what you think about. Success uh, is one step away from where you're about to quit or give up, right? Okay, I'm going to close my eyes here because I spent so much time right down the street from you there at Marine Street and Sea Lane, body surfing, surfing a big rock. I, I'm going to just go there for a minute. So give me a moment here. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to visualize that so that I can be there. Oh, you're driving me crazy here, Richard. Well, let's oh, talk a little so bit about it is. Let's talk a little bit about Agaro Group. I mean, your company is fantastic. You guys sell like the best of the best. So tell our listeners about your company, what makes you guys so special, and why, if they're looking for something very cool and high end, you're the guys to talk to. 
Well, let's just, uh, I'm going to kind of compartmentalize this a little bit. First and foremost, uh, Mr. Ogara, who got his start really coach building, hence the term Ogara Coach, which is the name of the company, uh, began with uh, building bulletproof vehicles for the president of the United States and other like dignitaries. And so I think from that began the company, but we are part of the world's largest Rolls, Bentley, Lamborghini, Bugatti, McLaren, Koenigsegg, you name it, we probably have every brand you can think of. And being part of the world's largest organization and then being situated uh, as sort of a substation for what we are is a full-blown facility in La Jolla, but we are very, very much connected to our Beverly Hills location uh, and also our Westlake Village location. But Beverly Hills is essentially the uh, the headquarters. How How much fun is it being around these kind of cars? They're just breathtaking. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, what a life. Uh, living the life, that's for sure. Now, you guys are also involved with sponsoring the La Jolla Concord Elegance. I just had Michael Dorvier on the show yesterday. He's been a guest here before. I've been to the La Jolla Concord, pretty much everyone they've had. I have to go because that's my hometown, right? I used to play on that uh, at the grassy field there up at uh, Ellen Browning Scripps Park when I was a little kid. We'd have picnics there. My family used to body surf at Boomers all the time. So what does the La Jolla Concours mean for you guys and your group? Well, I mean, look, it's in our backyard. It's, what is it, less than a mile and a half from our location here. Mike Dorvier is actually a very good friend of mine. And so um, I think what he has created through the uh, the Concours uh, organization is this incredibly wonderful day of, well, it's twofold. I think first and foremost, for, for car enthusiasts outside of Pebble Beach, you're looking at some of the finest cars. In fact, some of the cars on display at the uh, Concours are previous and or past winners of the Pebble Beach Concours. There's some incredibly beautiful cars there. So for us, uh, because of the type of event that it is, not only is it a phenomenal draw for both local people but tourists alike, it brings together like-minded people to an event with cars that are just not the typical kind of car that an average customer would be able to buy, right? So for us, it's incredibly important because it's in our backyard. Yeah, it's a fantastic thing. Now, you've been in the automotive industry for a long time. What's your favorite thing about what you do for your career? You know, I've been asked that question before, and I'm just going to sort of start it with a caveat. I, when I first came to the States, never ever wanted to be the typical kind of quote-unquote car guy that you hear the stories of from years ago. Even though that stigma of a car salesperson to some extent exists in some people's vocabularies today, that is probably the farthest thing from the truth nowadays. Our industry is is very, very high-tech, very professional. And for me, it was never wanting to be that person. I wanted to make a difference in the business and give people what they wanted, but also with complete transparency, a word that unfortunately is overused in our vocabulary today. You know, you're selling cars that are really not necessary. They're dreams for people. I had Russell Flurry on my show here. He's become a great friend. He's a coach to many, many high-end dealers to teach salespeople how to sell to that type of clientele because it's a very different kind of clientele that you cater to, right? It is. And I mean, uh, that's uh, the, the word transparency. This is, as you said, this is not a needs-based product. I mean, let's face it. These are, in some places around America, these are rolling real estate. Uh, you've got a you know, two, three, four, five hundred thousand, five million dollar Bugatti 
these are not exactly cars that people you know storm in and say, I'd like to buy one or two or three of these. They're just not, right? But I think that it's, it's, it's all about creating a level of excitement. And also for people that buy these cars, giving them permission. And that sounds really, really strange, but sometimes people don't feel, especially in our climate today where people get laid off and people lose their jobs. And these are the CEO of, CEOs and, and, and owners of large and all-size companies. Sometimes they feel guilty buying these cars, right? I mean, right. there's this yeah. level of guilt. But it's, all, it's oftentimes giving people permission to just say, hey, it's okay. It's okay to yeah. own a car like this. You've earned the right. Right, exactly. Let's take a look at some of these roads you've driven down in your life and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. I want you to kind of take us there, but more importantly, what was the lesson learned so that you came out in a positive way after the fact? You know, um, tough thing to talk about on a podcast, but I think the greatest failure in my life was, was a divorce. You know, I became a slave to my work, uh, many, in fact, in Washington State, I became a slave to my environment, and I think that I forgot. I was told people I was a fantastic father, but a terrible dad, because I provided for my family. I was a tremendous provider, but I never really paid attention to the things that were important. I mean, I went to seven of my son's birthday parties in a 20-year period, and I, I often ask myself now, why? Why did I do that? And so for me, that was a tremendous failure. But from that failure comes tremendous success. And that is my children, and they'll always be my children, even though they're 34 and 32, and and my six grandchildren, I think I have, through those life lessons, learned to be an amazing granddad and a grandfather, uh, and also there for my children. They, They are sort of the epicenter of my life. Well, you know, I've heard this from other guests, and and of course, friends too, and I may be guilty of it as well. When we're younger and we feel like we are supposed to provide for our families, and that means work very hard, and then as a result, you end up missing birthday parties and and sports games and and specific events and things like that. And and then all of a sudden, you look back and go, okay, what was I doing that for? What's a piece of advice you would at, you know you would offer a young father these days who might be heading down that same path to help him learn how to balance that i mean that that is a great question and one that i can answer without even thinking about be a good communicator communicate your intentions communicate to your spouse or your loved one or your partner communicate openly about what's on your mind make sure that when you are troubled by something that you do communicate it no matter how difficult that may be always be a good communicator always be somebody that is willing to have a difficult conversation with someone, with a loved one, uh, no matter how ridiculous it may seem or how big of a task it may seem, always communicate it because they might be upset today when you talk to them about it, but I know that they'll be thankful that you had that conversation down the road. And and, and don't make the same, don't keep making the same mistakes, right? Learn from the mistakes. Yeah. Great words of wisdom there. And as my wife often reminds me, be a good listener, Mark. Be a good listener. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I try very hard to do that. I get to do that all day long on the podcast, but yeah, well, uh, words of wisdom from someone who went through that. And, you know, you're fortunate to be blessed with six wonderful grandchildren. And how lucky is that? Uh, incredible. So uh, you're you're having a good time at this point in your life, it sounds like. Well, as good as can be. I still work very, very hard. I've ne- you know, I could, one of my greatest things, I always tell people, I've never intentionally missed a day of work in my life. I've just, I don't know, it's just, it's ingrained in me that 
Um, loyalty is is credi- incredibly important, and work ethic is important. I, I I've always said, don't necessarily be a hard worker; be a smart worker. If working hard entails being smart, then great. But work smarter than you do hard. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think I got that from my dad, who grew up in Texas on a farm. I remember my grandpa coming to visit us once in all the years that we lived in San Diego, La Jolla, and he would come out from Texas, and he was only there for three days. And I said, Grandpa, why why are you only staying three days? And he said, because the cows don't take vacations. I got to get back to the ranch. And uh, I know that's where my dad got his work ethic, but he always taught me, no matter where you work, work there as if you own the company. Treat the place of business, the people, the customers, as if you're the owner, and you'll be fine. And so I think that's where I got my hard work ethic from my dad. He worked. Absolutely. Every day, an awful lot. It's often over, overstated and oversaid, but there's a book out there called The X Factor, and it talks about the generational differences between baby boomers, which are, I think, by 2020, they, excuse me, by 2023, baby boomers will no longer be the majority uh, of our population base. Uh, millennials will, will surpass us. For many years, the baby boomers, their whole mindset was respect authority at all costs, work hard. You know, we were part of that latchkey kid syndrome where it took two parents to work. And I think with the millennials, they were born with technology in their hands. And there was a study I did with my consulting firm not too long ago that talked about communication. And it said that millennials are supposed to alter the way we communicate with people, but because of high college debt and late family, starting families late in life, that never happened. But the next generation, which was the Gen Zs or the Xennials, I think I've heard them called, 92% of a 4,000-person study said they were socially awkward talking to people face-to-face, 92%. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. You can only imagine why things are changing. I mean, you see it with little kids these days when you're out and about and people that have young children, the children have their face buried in a mobile device instead yep. of looking up and observing the world. And uh, for the most part, they're kind of ignored. And I know Simon Sinek, who's done some great talks, talks about the damage that these devices do to young people, that they really should not have them in their lives at all until a certain point because it actually affects their brain development uh, in a very negative way. So, uh, yeah, times they are changing, that's for sure. And and I've even seen people calling us boomers uh, a boomer in a derogatory term, which I kind of go, well, I'm kind of proud that I was a baby boomer. I mean, we did a lot of stuff our generation, you know? Uh, and we're still doing cool stuff. So there. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Call me a boomer. Absolutely. That's okay. Let's take a short break. Thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years. And it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique 
and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, A Couple's Humorous Journey Through the Confusing World of Finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. We are back, and I would love for you to share a story that instigated this passion you have for cars. Uh, you're obviously a car guy, Richard. Uh, you have been for a long time. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back and you, you knew you were indeed going to have a career around the automobile? There is. When I first started selling cars, I was actually working in the British Army, and a couple of guys I met were selling cars to what they call BFG, British Forces Germany. And they were essentially moonlighting. So they sort of introduced me to the idea of selling. And, and when I got out of the car, when I got out of the British Army, I just was inspired by the thought of, how cool it is to actually be around cars. And so I went and got my first job and was hired by a guy at a place called Dutfield Motors in Westbury, which was near Bath, UK, out in the West Country of England. And they had a thing called Contract Hire 1 and 2. So the guy that was teaching me to sell cars, his name was Lon Ham. That's L-O-N, last name Ham, H-A-M. Lon Ham. The guy had a Harris Tweed suit. He was probably in his 60s. He had a big handlebar mustache, and it turns out he was England's number one Morris minor salesperson. Oh, wow. Uh, but he was also um, a World War II Spitfire pilot over the Battle of Britain. Wow. And he always had, always had a cigarette in his mouth, and he, he would never take the cigarette out of his mouth. And he used to say to me, son, if you want to be good at this, don't ever tell a customer a lie. I went, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then he followed up with, but never tell them the truth. And I went, the bloody hell do you mean by that? Yeah. And he said, he said, when you figure that out, you'll have mastered the art of selling. And I'm sitting there going, well, how do you tell a customer a lie, but not tell them a lie? And how do you tell them the truth, but not tell them the truth? And I started to just, that would just, every day I would sit in my head, like, what the bloody hell does he mean? How, how do you do that? And it came to me one day that he was referring to the fact that oftentimes in our world of selling anything, if you have too much information you offer up, and a classic example is an old Lincoln Continental comes to mind, and an old lady that was buying the car, and I was watching the salesperson many years later say to this lady who had wanted to buy the car, he said, well, let's go see if the car fits in your garage. And she said, that's a good idea. Well, it turns out the car was six inches too long for a garage, and he ruined the sale. Now, one would argue that he did the lady a favor, right? But one would also argue that the business failed because 
he said too much. And I think the moral to the story was don't offer up too much information. As far as, uh, but don't give them too little either. As far as what sort of made me go down that road, I think it was the fact that I saw the excitement with people when they got inside a new car or a used car that was new to them. And that feeling of joy that it created when somebody got into a vehicle. And I just got inspired by wanting to be that person that made people feel really, really cool about the decision. Well, you're certainly selling the kind of cars that make people feel really, really cool. How about your first special ride, your special car? What was it? For me, it was really, well, my first ever car was a 1971 Volkswagen Variant and uh, air-cooled. And uh, my first ever motorbike, well, I've owned 52 since then, was a CG125. But probably the very first motorbike that ever really turned my crank was a Honda CBX 24-valve six-cylinder. At that time, it was the biggest, baddest, funnest bike on the planet. Oh, man, monsters. It's a special bike for sure. Now, you still ride bikes today? Oh, my gosh, yes. Do I ever. Mm-hmm. Cool. What do you, what's your favorite kind of bike to ride today? I have today? just under a million miles on motorcycles logged in my, in what? my lifetime. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. What's yep. your favorite bike to ride these days? Without a doubt, my 2019 Ducati Multistrada Pikes Peak. Oh, yeah. Nice. I had a Monster for a while. Great uh, bike. Really, yeah. really fun bike. And the same time, I had an MV Agusta F4, which was just That's killer. a cool bike. Uh, yeah. A really cool bike, too. Yeah. Well, here's an introspective question for you, Richard. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car or a motorbike, what would Richard be and why? I would probably want to come back as a Jaguar F-Type Coupe R. I've owned four of them, and I think the reason I use that car is because, number one, it is rock solid. It is great looking. It is a rolling piece of artwork. It sounds amazing, and when it goes by, people hear it go by it's just it's just it's a remarkable car beautiful cars too i Mm -hmm. mean they're just Mm -hmm. yeah super sexy cars for sure all right well there he is well richard we are entering what i call the last lap i'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give us some quick blips of that jaguar fi poop r throttle so here we go which one of your personal habits you think has contributed to your life's successes probably Always saying hello to people, always being a conversation starter. Yeah, definitely important. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? Oh, without a doubt, my dad, just because my, my dad was taken at an early, uh, early age and he, was, he died at 47. I was, he was murdered in Mexico. Long story, don't want to get into it, but oh my uh, just, just, just to uh, tell my dad that I did okay. Yeah, I think he knows, Richard. I think yeah. he knows. How about the best automotive advice you've ever received? Take care of your car. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple, but you know what? A lot of people don't. Um, and these days, cars are so robust. I mean, even exotic cars that used to be a real difficult thing to own and drive, uh, they all are everyday drivers. I had a guest on the show here who had a, a Ferrari, a 488 with uh, 88,000 miles on it. He drives it every day in the snow everywhere. Uh, yeah, incredible. So. uh yeah, but take care of your car. Just give it a little love. That's all it needs. How about a great resource that is a go-to for you out there that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I always, for me, um, I think because I'm a study to the business, I will generally pick a lot of places for resource. You know, the internet's, what, 65% correct. There's a lot of untruths on the internet. So I, I would say 
if I'm looking for information on a vehicle, I tend to go to a manufacturer's website to look at the, at the facts on the vehicle. I mean, if we're talking about car-specific stuff, go to a manufacturer's website because they're going to give you hard facts. Just, they're good hard facts. A lot of yeah. what's on the internet is a lot of supposition. It's opinion, right? Caveat emptor, for sure. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners should uh, open up and enjoy as well? Oh, not a massive book reader because in England they forced us to do a lot of that, right? But, um, <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And tell our listeners a little bit about that book. Well, I think in that book it talks about the elements of leadership that are important, you know, the law of the lid, for example, the the law of E.F. Hutton, when E.F., that was an old, you remember the old mantra, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen, right? Yes. Um, the law of influence, it, it, it gets into a lot of depth conversation about how do you become an effective leader? And another book, I think, for me, obviously, because of my teachings and um, uh, study of the uh, Pacific Institute, would be uh, Coaching for Personal Results, which was Lou Tice's book, Coaching for Personal Results. And and it's really a book about self-help and self-determination. As you think, so you become. Uh, it, it really gets a lot deeper into the uh, cognitive theories of how the mind works. Interesting. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, the Irrefutable Laws of Leadership was by, of course, John Maxwell. That's been recommended here. But the other book you recommended, I don't think anyone's ever uh, recommended that. So I'm glad that you recommended something new here. A reminder of listeners, you can go to the Harshia website, click on the Resources tab. At the top, there's a category called Guest Recommended Books, where these two books, and boy, over 1,600, 1,700 books are listed there by my past inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Well, when you've interviewed 1,516 people, they've got a lot to share. So I'm a pretty lucky guy. There you go. All right, Richard, we're up to the checkered flag here. This is a fun question. I'm going to walk into your dealership and I say, hey, what? Richard, I'm going to buy you any cool car you want today as a nice gift for being such a great guy. But there are some rules to my game that might make this a little bit of a challenge. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with, so that little trick's off the table. Uh, you have to drive it or ride it if it's a bike. No garage queens allowed here. But here's the kicker. It's the only one cool collectible vehicle you can have in your garage. So choose wisely, my friend. Oh, I already know what that car is. I mean, and for me, it's not an old car. It's not a car from the past. It's a very relevant car of today. It would be a McLaren 720 Spider. In Ooh. McLaren Orange. <laughs> uh, well, of course, it's got to be McLaren Orange. I mean, that's like the best thing ever. But uh, the 720 Spider, have you driven one of those? Oh, clearly, many times. Yeah. So I've not driven one. So tell us, what is the experience like? Well, let me just say, it's probably the fastest. It's hypercar performance at supercar prices. It is arguably one of the wickedest, fastest, nastiest, smoothest, absolutely ridiculously fast, insanely <laughs> sexy cars I've ever driven. This car will whistle you from zero to 100 in 5.3 seconds. Yikes. It will take you from zero to 60 in 2.7. It's got a 212 mile an hour top speed, but it's not just those elements about the car. This is a car you're doing 80 miles an hour and you're getting 30 miles to the gallon. And when you punch it at 80 miles an hour and you look down at your speedo and you're doing 160 and your head is pinned to the back of the seat, <laughs> you ask yourself, how did he get that much power from a four liter turbocharged twin turbo V8? It's absolutely insane. Ah, uh, sounds 
delicious, as we would say. I love it. Well, Richard, this has been really fun. You've taken me on a great ride. I really want to thank you for sharing your life with us today. Would you offer us maybe a little pearl of wisdom before you rip off down the coast highway heading towards, uh, let's say, the North County, San Diego and that McLaren 720 Spider? Yeah, well, first of all, I wouldn't use the word ripoff because in America it's got a very, very different meaning, right? So <laughs> I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, don't I steal it because I just bought it for you, so no theft here. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, number one, when you come to an organization, just know that salespeople are human beings too. We're people. Uh, don't assume that someone's going to rip you off or don't assume that people are going to lie to you because they don't. The vast majority of people that do this for a living do it with the right spirit of intent. And oftentimes when a mistake is made, it's just that it's a genuine mistake. What I love about this business and about certainly the people that sell the kind of products that we do, it's a passion. When you have a passion for something and you come to work, it's like you've never gone to work. You're living a passion. So treat us like human beings and ask questions and you'll get the right answers. I would say that would be the best thing about us. We're on social media, our website, ogarasandiego.com. And if you want to come down here, this place in La Jolla, it's like a museum. We have people from all over the world that come in here and look at the cars. And my staff are always eager to just knowing they're never going to sell them a car. We'll, I'll spend an hour talking to a customer and just giving them points of sale material, just making someone's day. So don't be a stranger. Come by and see us. Well, it's a very cool place. Uh, Richard, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your life with us. This is fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks so much. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts, who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars yeah! website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars yeah! Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars yeah! podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.